The Adams Archive. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to The Adams Archive. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. On this week's episode, we are going to be jumping right into a literal cage match between billionaires Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, and I am 100% here for it. I love this. I think it's amazing. Now, I, for one, don't think it's actually going to happen, although, as you'll see in a minute, according to Dana White, he's pretty confident that it will. So we'll talk about that. I'll even go in and break down some of Mark Zuckerberg's jujitsu with Lex Friedman for you guys. I'll give you my live feedback about whether he's shitty at jujitsu. So <laughs> we'll hit that first. Then we will move on to Joe Biden joking, allegedly, about having sold a lot of state secrets amid, amid alleged Ukraine bribery scandal. So we will take a look at that and see what happened there. Then we will learn a little bit about what is going on right now in North Korea. There was a massive rally in Pyongyang to commemorate the beginning of the 1950 Korean War. There's some pictures, there's lots of violent signs about America calling for a, another war, seemingly. Then we will dive deep into the situation that just happened between a mercenary group that was paid to help Russia with the Ukraine war, turned on Russia uh, after a claim that Russia fired a strike at their base and killed several, several dozens. I believe that was the figure. We'll look at it here. But a large handful of people from the Wagner Group, which is a mercenary group. So we'll learn a little bit about the history of the Wagner Group. We'll discuss what actually went down. And then we will look at the most recent statements by both Vladimir Putin and Priyoshkev, however you pronounce his name. So then, last but not least, we will dive deeper down the rabbit hole and look at what is, to me, one of the most interesting conspiracies that came out of the titan underwater submersion submarine situation now this has actually nothing to do with the submarine itself but more so the tracking of underwater objects that caused loud loud wave frequencies to be picked up by these acoustical instruments that were in the ocean leading to some people discussing that there's objects you know somebody from the government allegedly that came out and said that there was objects moving over thousands of miles per hour underneath the water. So then there's even some deeper conspiracies by that person who talks about what they believe them to be according to their alleged knowledge. So all of that and more stick around. First thing I need you to do is go ahead and hit that subscribe button. It would mean the world to me. That's all I need you to do. Hit that subscribe button. And when you're done with that, leave a five-star review. I've been sitting at the same numbers here and I've been just speaking to myself here on this podcast. But if you're listening, I know that it takes five seconds just to do something nice. Leave a five-star review. It would truly mean the world to me. You just take five seconds out of your day, hit that five stars, write something nice if, if, it, you know, if you feel the calling to, but at the very least, if you could just hit that five stars for me, I would appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Go ahead, do it right now. And then, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be playing some music here for about 30 seconds. And in those 30 seconds, I know, I know 100% that you can click that five star button and you can even write a sentence. I believe in you. Do it right now, and let's jump into it. The Adams Archive. All right, 
let's go ahead and jump into it. The very first topic that we're going to discuss today could be the most interesting and exciting fist fight in the history of humanity between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Now, I will tell you personally who I believe will win this, but the first thing we'll do is read this article. Then we will break down some of Mark Zuckerberg's jujitsu that he did that was released by Lex Friedman recently. Mark Zuckerberg has been practicing white belt, has even competed under a pseudonym, which is quite interesting. I believe it was like Mark and then his middle name, which was, I don't remember what it was. But so let's go ahead and read this. It says, Mark Zuckerberg is ready to fight Elon Musk in a cage match, a tech billionaire brawl for the ages that needs to happen. Now, I have some speculation as to whether or not I believe Elon Musk would actually do this because Lex Friedman actually trains. According to some of the things that I read, though, Elon does some judo, maybe some taekwondo and some karate. But let's read this. It says, here we go. After Elon Musk recently tweeted that he would be up for a cage match with Zuckerberg, the Meta CEO, shot back by posting a screenshot of Musk's tweet with the caption, send me location. I've confirmed that Zuckerberg's post on his Instagram account is, in fact, not a joke, which means that the ball is now in Musk's court. The story speaks for itself, Meta spokesperson Iska Iska. Sarik told me. I wonder if that's a prerequisite for joining Meta, is you have to have some crazy foreign name. After the story has been published, Musk responded with two words, Vegas Octagon. He then tweeted, I have this great move that I call the walrus, where I just lie on top of people <laughs> and do nothing. Elon Musk tweeted on June 20th, I'm up for a cage match if he is, lol. Zuckerberg then tweeted, or, or posted on his story that, and then somebody re, that he reposted saying, LOL, I love you, Elon, but you better start training. And over that, Zuckerberg said, send me location. Now, Elon responded and said, Vegas, Octagon. Then Elon talked about his move, the walrus. The backstory here says, I sense... I recently reported more details about Meta's forthcoming Twitter competitor. Musk has been taunting Zuckerberg on Twitter with zingers like Zuck, my, and then you know, a emoji for the tongue. During an inter in internal all-hands meeting on Meta last week, Chief Product Officer Chris Cox told employees the company thinks creators want a version of Twitter that is sanely run, drawing cheers. I've always thought that Twitter should have a billion people using it, Zucker said during a recent podcast interview with Lex Friedman. In terms of tech billionaire CEOs literally fighting, Musk's verse, Musk versus Zuckerberg would be good as it gets. Musk, 51, has the upper hand on Zuckerberg in terms of sheer physical size and has talked about being in real hardcore street fights when he was growing up in South Africa. Meanwhile, Zuckerberg, 39, is an inspiration or an aspirational. Sorry, guys, I'm having trouble reading on some of these things and I sound a little stupid reading some of them because my computer is a little bit too far and I have terrible vision. So stay, stay with me. It says... Mark Zuckerberg, 39, is an aspirational MMA fighter who is already winning jiu-jitsu tournaments. He claims to have recently competed the grueling Murph Challenge workout in just under 40 minutes. Regardless of who would win, I think we can all agree that a Mark Musk-Zuckerberg match would be one of the most entertaining fights of all time. It needs to happen. Don't back down now, Musk. Now, I don't think this would happen. I think it would be silly on Elon Musk's part to do this because... Zuckerberg, from my understanding, actually trains and Elon does not. So I, my prediction of how this fight goes down is Mark Zuckerberg takes down Elon Musk. He takes his back and chokes him unconscious with a rear naked choke. That would be, as Mark Zuckerberg said on his podcast recently with Lex Friedman, that that was his favorite submission. That would be, and it's also just so happens to be the highest percentage submission and high level grappling that there is. That would be my prediction. But let's go ahead and hear it from Dana White, who says this is serious. Let's listen in. Can we be excited about this? Is there a possibility this is really going to happen? Well, just to, just to give some clarification. So what he said is Mark Zuckerberg responded with send me location, which is something that Habib Nurmagomedov says when people challenge him. So that, that was what send me location meant. And uh, I was talking to both Elon and uh, Mark last night. Both guys are absolutely dead serious about this. Now, wait, wait, wait. Can we, can, uh, how I, do you, you, tell us why you say that. Because they both said, yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> they both want to do it. Mark Zuckerberg hit me up first and said, is he serious? 
And I said, I don't know. Let me ask him. I asked him and he said, yeah, I'm dead serious. You know, you know, obviously for, for and I agree with you, Harvey, this would be the biggest fight ever in the history of the world. Bigger than anything that's ever been done. It would break all pay-per-view records. These guys would raise, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for charity. And, you know, you don't have to be a fight fan to be interested in this fight. You, you Everybody would want to see it. You know, you would be at the helm here. So is this something you are taking seriously? Is it something you're already trying to organize? Give us a lowdown. So, yeah, I'm taking a very... Lorenzo Fertitta called me this morning. Station Casinos in Las Vegas is putting a lineup on this today. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm taking it. Listen, if these guys are serious, I make fights that people... Oh, I was trying to look up the line for it, but let's, let's continue this. Got ahead of ourselves want to see that's what i do for a living so if if they really want to do it and they're serious and we can figure it out and figure out a way to pull this off i would absolutely positively do this and did they both say that they absolutely would only do it for charity i don't think either one of them need any money so no, they definitely uh, don't need it <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't think it would be a a money thing for either one of them i think they would both you know they, they both talked about how much that they could raise for charity. It's, it, it would be a massive number that, 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 you know, they could both pick a charity that they both care about and crazy money. Yeah. Do, do we have a, a rough date? Are we talking later this year? Are we talking next year? How much training time I, do either of them want or need? Probably spent an hour and a half on the phone with both of them last night. I don't know. Th hmm. These are early stages. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Look, we've seen Zuckerberg doing... Look, he, he can fight. I mean, by the accounts of people he's been training with. Well, we've seen it. He's, and he's we've seen it in contests. He, he can fight. But does Elon have any combat sports background, or is he just going and winging it? Mark takes the sport very seriously. He trains very hard. He actually is good at jujitsu. He's good at stand-up. And Elon tells me that he, he's done martial arts, he's done jujitsu, and he says people... It might not think this of me, but I've been plenty of fights growing up in South Africa. So is this is this a one-off, <laughs> sort of like you know uh, Floyd Mayweather and Connor, or do you actually do a full fight where they're the headliners? Yeah, I think you build a, you build a real card with real guys that you wanted to give some exposure to, you know, and make sure that there's some really fun fights on the card, and they're the main event. What's it going to cost us to watch? Probably hundred bucks. What do you think you would gross in something like this? I think it would be the, the, the biggest fight of all time was Floyd Mayweather and Connor. And I, I just think it, I think it triples that. I think it triples wow. what that did. It just, there's, there's no limit on what this thing could make because like you were saying in the room today, you had a room full of women and men. Some are probably fight fans. Most are probably not. Everybody would watch it. Everybody would want to see it. This is the biggest fight that could ever be made in the history of the world. It's that big. All right. So let's look at the odds here because I just pulled them up. And according to this, so I, I didn't know there was such a size disparagement between Elon and Mark, which is, you know, to, to definitely be taken into consideration. Musk is six foot one and Zuckerberg is five foot seven. Elon coming in at 187 pounds, Zuckerberg coming in at 150 pounds. Wow, he's a little guy. <laughs> so Elon's about my size. Mark Zuckerberg's about, you know, your wife's size. So, <laughs> so maybe there's something to that, but I, I would really need to know what Elon looks like on the mats. See him with some gloves on, throwing some punches. But my money still would be on Mark Zuckerberg. He's taking people on. He's rolling with legitimate black belts like Lex Friedman, which we'll watch here in just a second. And I'll give you some some of my breakdown and, and kind of what he's doing right, what he's doing wrong. But the odds are in Elon Musk's favor for him to win the fight. So that is pretty wild to me. I mean, I mean, I guess if he's a self-proclaimed street fighter. That's never a good, a never a good start for when you're asking somebody about their combat experiment experiences. Well, I used to get in a lot of street fights. Well, maybe he did. I don't know what South Africa's really like. 
but the odds are four to six. Not sure that's a that's a how odds work normally, but let's see if we can get the real odds by Betfair. Musk, Elon. Interesting. Can't pull it up. So, but four to six to four odds. So if you bet six dollars on Elon, you get four dollars back. If you bet four dollars on Musk, you get six dollars back. Let's go ahead and watch some of this footage of Lex Friedman and Mark Zuckerberg training jujitsu. Now, I know you can't see this, but I will break it down for you. Just give you some quick little insight as I, you know, little reaction to this. Training jujitsu, a martial art with the goal of attaining positional dominance of your opponent and then to submit them by breaking their arm or leg or choking them unconscious, but stopping right before that as your opponent taps twice to designate that they give up. I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu and I've been doing it for over 15 years and also judo and wrestling for 10 more. Mark has been training jiu-jitsu for just over a year and has taken this journey on with humility and with a seriousness that to me is truly inspiring. This was recorded shortly after our recent podcast conversation. And given the recent back and forth between Elon and Zuck on social media, I should mention that I'm a longtime friend of Elon and a new friend of Zuck and I'm excited to see them take on the journey of being martial artists in their own way. <laughs> and I look forward to training with each of them. They both run large, successful, impactful companies, and so they're super busy. But I do believe there's tremendous value in them practicing martial arts, as it will make them better leaders, better human beings, and students of human nature. First and foremost, at least to me, jiu-jitsu is humbling, and humility is a powerful tool for innovation and leadership. Let me quote here as one must, the great Miyamoto Musashi, a Japanese swordsman and warrior philosopher from the 17th century. Think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. That said, this is a martial art. And so he also did say that the way of the warrior is the resolute acceptance of death. In this video, you see Mark and I doing live technical training and some practice of techniques under the guidance of the legendary jiu-jitsu and judo instructor, Dave Camarillo. And now, dear friends, here's Mark Zuckerberg and I training some jiu-jitsu. I'm pumped for this, by the way. All right, so they tie up. Zuck gets a nice little collar tie over Lex Freeman's shoulder. Lex drops down, looks like he's going for a single leg, pulls guard. Zuckerberg's got his legs in his hand. It goes to pass the side control. Lex stands up. Lex shucks it by. Looks like he's going for a slow shot. Now they're just like flow rolling here. Lex rolls as Marks tries to take his back. Zuckerberg gets out. And they're back to neutral. Zuckerberg goes for a single leg. Friedman puts his leg on the outside. Has a whizzer in. Zuckerberg takes his back. Switches to a single leg. Takes him down. Goes to pass the side control. Now, I believe a couple of them, they, they each get a couple submissions here. So hopefully we'll see that. But they are just flow rolling. They're not going hard or anything. But collar ties. Lex goes to drop down for a single leg. Comes back up. Shucks it by. Drops back down, grabs a single leg, takes a Zuck down, tries to pass side control, goes in the on belly. Looks like he's thinking about Americana, trying to isolate the right arm, and he does. And Zuck taps. They reset. Zuck goes for a single leg. Now, I think Lex will probably be a nice guy here because he's a black belt and Zuckerberg is a white belt and probably let him get one back. Zuckerberg gets a single leg, goes to a double, drops him down, walks around to the back. Now, I don't know, actually, because Zuckerberg looks a little, a little soft in his movements. I think Elon would come out swinging pretty hard and with 37, maybe 40 pounds on him, Zuckerberg might have a hard time. You know, if there's any wrestling training involved for Elon, even getting him to the ground with a size advantage. 
but Zuck goes to a north-south choke, walks around to the back, and Lex taps. So one-to-one between Lex Friedman and Mark Zuckerberg. But, you know, maybe this isn't... I might have to watch the tournament with Zuckerberg because that might give us a better idea of what it looks like when he's actually going. But some some fun stuff to watch here. You know, if you get the opportunity and you have any uh, any joy in martial arts, you should watch this uh, this exchange. Decent technical rolling. Obviously, uh, Lex Friedman's a black belt again. So if he wanted to smash Mark Zuckerberg at any single time, he could have. <laughs> I am very very sure of it, especially with a, a strong decade of wrestling experience behind him but fun to see these guys go back and forth now the problem the biggest problem i have with all of this and i think lex friedman takes him down goes to mount and then starts with a no no gi ezekiel choke and finishes it there again so two to nothing or two to one lex friedman but the the thing that bothers me the most about mark zuckerberg training jujitsu is that it starts to make you actually have a little tinge of likability to him <laughs> you hear him on on lex friedman and over the the progression of mark zuckerberg gaining a personality or downloading one from the internet maybe which is probably more accurate compared to him actually gaining it from life experience being a robot and all is that him doing jujitsu him going surfing him talking about his kids he actually seems like a real life human being who isn't dead set on ridding the world from the freedom of speech so they they actually addressed that somewhat in Lex Friedman's podcast, but it was a great conversation. You should go listen to it. I think it's about three hours, and then this was before they started rolling. But the, the, Mark Zuckerberg's growing on me, and it pains me to say that <laughs> all the you know freedom of speech conversations that we've had in the past about Meta. But hopefully, hopefully, you know, as Lex said, it will humble him enough to maybe learn. I learn a little bit more outside of the Silicon Valley way because I don't believe there's uh, too too many uh, jujitsu practitioners that are coming out of, you know, Silicon Valley. Now, uh, last one here. Mark Zuckerberg takes his back, puts on a rear naked choke. Lex Friedman taps. You know, not much pressure being put on. But overall, some fun fun sparring to watch. Would definitely recommend. Go Go check it out. But that's all we'll we'll watch for now. All right, moving on to the next subject here. Joe Biden made a seemingly tasteless joke. You know, everybody's kind of taking this and running with it. It's a joke, guys. I mean, obviously, it's a joke. You know, he's he's saying something. But but to be fair, all good jokes have a little bit of truth to them, and I think that might have been the case here, especially you know. And and here's here's the more important part about it. The the thing that is crazy about this is not that these words left his mouth as a joke, but the fact that he said it right now. All right. So Joe Biden made a joke of having sold a lot of state secrets. He said amid alleged Ukrainian bribery scandal. Now this isn't just like the middle of all the scandals that he's had where, you know, it's not, it's a little bit of heat on him, but right now more than ever, Joe Biden just got a lawyer because of the text messages that just came out with Hunter Biden about him literally peddling his own influence to to Chinese energy companies. Peddling, you know, the, so the, the text message that came out said, my father is sitting next to me and with all of my ability to hold a grudge and all of the people that he knows, we need to make sure that you follow through with what you're saying basically saying my father and his power will ruin you. And then it just so happens that 10 days later, there was $5 million deposited into assets or companies, shell companies owned by the Biden family. So let's go ahead and listen in here. I was just thinking, anyway, I started off without you. And I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared. So there's there's your joke, right? And you can kind of tell people around him are laughing. It sounds like somebody, you know, walked into the room late and he said, oh, while you were gone, I was sharing a bunch of state secrets. But probably not the time to joke about that when you're in the middle of an illegal bribery camp, illegal bribery 
that you're being accused of for bribing in the Ukrainian officials. So the, the, actually, the text message, I believe that it was about, was about Burisma, not the Chinese companies. But it says, on Friday, President Biden joked that he sold a lot of state secrets during a meeting with Prime Minister Modi of the Republic of India, whose comments were made as Biden is actively being accused of an illegal bribe from a Ukrainian official. President Biden started off the meeting, which concluded White House senior officials and technology company CEOs joking to Prime Minister Modi about sharing a lot of very important secrets. Okay, we I was just thinking the anyway, I started off without you and I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that we shared, Biden said. Wow. What a funny joke. The meeting focused on the United States relationship with India and how the two nations are working together to develop and design new technology, which will include combined efforts from American astronauts, Indian astronauts, entrepreneurs, scientists, and students. President Biden announced that the U.S. is launching a new program between India and America in which the two countries will innovate new technology that will tackle so-called climate change. It's about exploring the universe. It's about lifting people out of poverty, curing cancer and other serious diseases, preventing pandemics and giving our citizens all all our citizens real opportunity. Now, if you break that down, which is funny about that, it's about lifting. It's about exploring the universe. It's about lifting people out of poverty, curing cancer, he says, which many believe has already been cured, but people keep dying who cure it and other serious diseases, preventing pandemics that we ourselves caused and giving our citizens, all of our citizens, real opportunity, just not the white males, only the trans non-binary minorities. So my message today is really simple. We've got to keep it up and we have to make sure we aim even higher, Biden said. The president joked about selling state secrets around the same time an FBI informant accused him of being involved in a significant Ukrainian bribery scandal in which Biden is accused of taking a $5 million bribe from Ukrainian oil company Burisma during his time as vice president under Barack Obama. Joe Biden's son, Hunter, sat on the board of Burisma when it alleged that the president took an illegal bribe. In addition, the FBI informant also accused Hunter of receiving a $5 million bribe as well. Senator Chuck Grassley recently revealed that the proof was kept in the form of 17 audio recordings of Zolchevsky's conversations with the Bidens, which he held onto as an insurance policy. President Biden has repeatedly denied claims, and the FBI's director, Christopher Wray, continues not to cooperate with the House Oversight Committee's subpoena. Well, it's pretty crazy, too, that we've just all but forgotten about these 17 recordings. Like the news cycle has come and gone. And this guy claims to have 17 recordings of him buying off the president. Wow. So, yeah, again, maybe not the time to joke about selling state secrets. Maybe not the time. Now, some people will make you believe that he's you know not joking here. But like I said, all good jokes have a little bit of truth to them. So this may not be the most egregious thing he's ever said, but it is probably one of the stupidest things that's ever come out of Joe Biden's mouth. Anyways, next topic here. We are going to jump into the Wagner group having allegedly attempted a coup against Vladimir Putin in the Kremlin. First thing we're going to do here is learn a little bit about the Wagner group, and then we will dive into the events that occurred over the last several days. This is probably the craziest military situation that we've seen in my lifetime that we've actually had play out in public. What's probably even more interesting about this is what's going on in the background and what probably what, what really actually happened here. So we'll talk about some of the, the, the ideas behind it, some of the unverified claims about how Vladimir Putin got Prochevsky, or however you announce his name, Prigozhin, sorry, Prochevsky was somebody else, um, Yevgeny Prigozhin, who provides gun for hire. So here is the video about the Wagner Group. Let's talk about the Wagner Group. Secretive Russian mercenary group. A shadowy private security company that has ties to the Kremlin. Wagner Group has a gruesome reputation. Yeah! The Wagner Group has been around for about 10 years. And its forces have shown up in all sorts of places, from Syria to Mali to Mozambique. What Wagner is doing is essentially acting as a proxy for the Russian government in different armed conflicts. And recently, they've been getting a lot of attention because of what they're doing in Ukraine. Wagner went from being this small, kind of special forces-like mercenary group 
in Africa to sort of large cannon fodder on the fields of Ukraine. So what do we actually know about the Wagner Group? What it does, where it operates, and who's behind it? Now, the Wagner Group is secretive and hard to define. But basically, they get paid to send their armed personnel to different countries. You could say that makes them mercenaries. But that word has a legal definition that doesn't always fit with what they do. They're also often described as a PMC, a private military company. But that doesn't quite fit either, because Wagner isn't just one company. It's better thought of as a loose network of companies, financial intermediaries that are all linked together in as opaque a way as possible so as to make it difficult to understand what their financial and organizational links are and to make it very difficult to hold them accountable for their actions. Now, the group first appeared in 2014 when Russia illegally annexed Crimea and sided with pro-Russian separatists in eastern Ukraine. Footage of masked soldiers in unmarked uniforms started cropping up. People were calling them little green men, and at least some of them were linked to the Wagner Group. Now, the group's name is in reference to the German composer Richard Wagner, who was Hitler's favorite. And Wagner was apparently the battlefield call sign used by a guy named Dmitry Utkin, who used to be a special forces officer in the Russian military. He's often been talked about as the group's founder and is reportedly still involved. But the man you really need to know about is Yevgeny Prigozhin, a Russian oligarch. For years, he denied having any links to the Wagner group. But recently, that changed. In late 2022, he came out of the shadows. There are now several videos of Prigozhin at work, with his forces on the ground and trying to sign up new recruits. Prigozhin also published this statement, claiming that he founded the group back in 2014. He officially registered the company as a consulting business and opened up a flashy new headquarters in St. It's Petersburg. a nice building. Which is significant <laughs> not only for being Wagner's first official headquarters, first formal existence on paper and on property, but also for the fact that it is located on Russian soil, where PMCs are technically illegal. Military work is a private organization. However, Prigozhin works in tandem with the Ministry of Defense and the Russian Federation. In tandem with the Russian special services. He obviously enjoys the patronage of top officials of the state, including President Vladimir Putin. Now, Prigozhin's relationship with Putin goes back to the 1990s. They're from the same city of St. Petersburg, where Prigozhin went from selling hot dogs to owning several restaurants. And Putin was a regular customer. After becoming president, he brought along some pretty well-known dignitaries, and Prigozhin picked up the nickname of Putin's chef. Soon, he was scoring some pretty lucrative catering contracts, including for the Russian military. Over the years, he's become super rich, politically influential, and has built up a media empire, too. The biography of Evgeny Prigozhin is a fairly standard biography of a St. Petersburg bandit. Wagner Group itself. Since they first popped up in Ukraine in 2014, the Wagner Group has been active in at least eight other countries. The All right, so there you have your background. All right, Prigozhin was his chef. Didn't know that. That's interesting. It's kind of a crazy 007 kind of background story to be a mercenary oligarch leader of private military organizations. So that's pretty wild. So let me give you my take on this, what happened in my own words, and then we'll look at some of the words that came out of Putin's mouth and Prigozhin's mouth over the last 24 hours. So what happened here was Prigozhin said that Vladimir Putin turned their weapons on the Wagner Group, killing a bunch of their soldiers in what looked to be one of their locations that they were held up at, their, their headquarters. Now, this was like out in the woods somewhere. Now, there was some questions surrounding the validity of the attack because the video that came out, the only video that came out, was one where they were walking through the woods and there was they said that they were getting shelled by, by Russian forces, which would mean explosions, you know, craziness. So, 
from that, there was no charred evidence. There was nothing that in the videos that they saw anyways, that showed that there was truly any damage from explosives. So there was some questions about that. And it looked like they just kind of like shoved some material down on the ground. So I'm going to pull up one of the more, the better news sources that I have, which is Atlas News, which is a great one to follow, Atlas News or atlas.news3 on Instagram. And this has been following this all pretty heavily. And it goes back to show from the very beginning where they claimed to have been hit. And they even go into some of the ideas surrounding it. So let me see if I can find the quick video on this because somebody commented and was like why is there no charred material and and so there's this idea that it was potentially a false flag that Yevgeny Prigozhin has accused the military forces of attack, of attacking Wagner PMC camps near Bakhmut through missile strike claiming that there were many casualties he believed that we will decide how to respond to this evil doing the next step is ours Russian's Ministry of Defense has denied any involvement and said that Prigozhin's claims do not correspond with reality and there are an informational provocation. Now, somebody responded and said, what was that on the second slide? This is the one where they're walking through the forest, where there's some trees that are downed, somebody laying in the woods, and really nothing other than that. And when they responded to that, they said, what was the second slide? I have a lot of questions about that. What was it supposed to be? Showing the aftermath of the alleged middle strike looks pretty fake to me. Two small fires and a guy laying down in some very neatly cut trees and brush. No scorch marks or brush or burned leaves. Seems kind of like Wagner is just saying, oh, they hit us with missiles and then tried to throw together some false flag fake video evidence in like five minutes. Atlas News responded and said, yes. And that's essentially what the MOD was saying. Interesting to see how this plays out regardless. All right. Somebody else responded and said, I just hope both teams have fun, <laughs> which is probably my favorite response to all of this. And then somebody else said, let's see if, because there was a comment on here that was like, why would they be attacked by the Russian army? It said through some loophole, the Russian MOD used treason for an excuse to execute these strikes. From what I've heard, they've been doing this throughout the war in little skirmishes. Maybe Russian army wanted to kill some real Nazis for a change. Mm, well, looks like they're on both sides. Interesting. So, some people claim that this was an alleged false flag to begin with, with the Wagner group, saying that they were struck by the Russian military, using it as an excuse to conduct a coup. In response to that, Wagner, Wagner head Yevgeny Prigozhin has released several audio statements on his Telegram channel following the claim that Russian forces attacked Wagner positions, reportedly resulting in heavy casualties. From this, he said, justice in the army will be restored, and after this, justice for the whole of Russia. Those who destroyed our guys today, who destroyed tens, tens of thousands of lives of Russian soldiers, will be punished. So, obviously, a lot, lot larger than handfuls. There are 25,000 of us, and we are going to figure out why this chaos is happening in the country. We must end this disgrace, he said. Now, they went on to accuse Russian forces of attacking Wagner positions. That ends up turning into a video by Prigozhin, um, who says that they're going to mobilized towards Rostov. So basically, they end up setting up different checkpoints along the way in Russia on their way to go to Moscow to, to take over the government. That was the idea. This guy's going to take over the government using Wagner Group as, as to facilitate it, overthrow Vladimir Putin, and then take over. That was the idea from this Russian military mercenary group. Now, from that... They start moving towards Moscow. Vladimir Putin orders that they start digging up the roads between Moscow and wherever positions they were in. Now, between that, there was tanks, there were soldiers, there was moving positions, there were some firefights that happened. On their way to Moscow, during that time, somehow or another, probably between exchanging of funds. Now, what I said was interesting about this is the $6.2 million that ended up missing last week you know, from an accounting error, now all of a sudden a Russian 
military for hire is now going after Russia. So kind of weird timeline of events, right? And, and, and if it's a mercenary group that's for hire, I'm pretty sure the CIA has the only ability, to, you know, along with the Federal Reserve to print money at will. So if they want one side to win or they want to fund, you know, an uprising or a coup and install Prigozhin, you know, the head of a mercenary group as the head of Russia to man over 15,000 nuclear warheads, then they'll do so just with money. Vladimir Putin responds, says we will wipe them out completely if they decide to do this. And then somehow or another, there's an exchange verbally and the Wagner group steps down as they're on their march towards Moscow. Now, the conspiracy behind this, the untold story here is that allegedly, and I got this from Atlas News, which was getting it from Telegram channels in Russia, allegedly, Vladimir Putin scooped up, basically kidnapped Prigozhin's wife and child. And at that point was when Prigozhin decided to go to Belarus because the president of Belarus stepped in and said, hey, 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 let's de-escalate this. We'll take him, you know, and so somehow or another, whether through kidnapping his wife and child and threatening their lives or between just a, you know, very nice exchange of words and whiskey between men, they figure out that they're no longer going to invade and overthrow the government. Hmm. Now, Prigozhin's seemingly in Belarus right now. Vladimir Putin has put out a statement since this alleged coup attempt, which we will listen to in a moment. And so has Prigozhin. So we'll listen to that as well. All right. So Putin says mutiny organizers will be brought to justice in national address. Does not mention Prigozhin. Let's go ahead and read this article, which again is coming from Atlas News. According or during a national address, Russian President Vladimir Putin pledged that the organizers of the Wagner rebellion will be brought to justice, saying that it was criminal activity that weakens the country and is a colossal threat to security. Putin, however, did not specifically name Wagner head Yevgeny Prigozhin, who was previously assured that the Kremlin he would not face any criminal charges of treason. Putin also thanked security forces of Russia and specifically honored the Russian pilots who were shot down by Wagner forces as they moved towards Moscow. The president also said that a majority of Wagner area patriots of Russia have shown their courage in defending Donbass, but were encouraged to fight against their compatriots. He thanked Wagner commanders and soldiers for turning back to prevent tragic and devastating consequences. Lastly, he thanked Belarus president Alexander Lukashenko for achieving a peaceful resolution with Wagner and the patriotic duty of everyone that has saved Russia. That was Vladimir Putin's words. All right. Now, Wagner had Prigozhin releases his first statement since the mutiny. Prigozhin has released his first statement since calling off his armed mutiny in Russia over the weekend. An 11-minute audio message published on his personal Telegram account. Below are some main points that have been translated by War Translated. It says, what were the prerequisites for the March for Justice? Wagner carries out tasks around the world. It was meant to stop existing on July 1st, 2023. Employees all refused to sign the contract with MOD, but 1% to 2% decided to join the Russian army. The original plan was to go to Rostov on 30th of July and transfer all vehicles to MOD, which were ready for transport. Despite any aggression, Wagner suffered a missile attack, followed by a helicopter attack. Around 30 PMC, Wagner fight- fighters died. This triggered an immediate decision to move out early and respond militarily. So sounds like I was right. 30 fighters died, not tens of thousands, as that previous one said. It says, no, on Friday, June 23rd, Prigozhin accused Russian military forces of striking a Wagner camp near Bakhmut using missiles and helicopters. He has also accused Russian defense minister Sergei Shogu of orchestrating the attack, further stating that the attack would not go without response and that the evil brought by the military leadership of Russia must be stopped. Throughout the 24-hour march, one column went to Moscow, another to Rostov. They made 780 kilometers of progress in one day. They regret being forced to attack the army aircraft, but the bombs were dropped, which caused the response. During the march, all military objects on the way were blocked and disarmed. None of the military have died on the ground. It says, note, Wagner forces downed several Russian military aircraft over the weekend, including an... 
IL-22M Airborne Command Post, in which all members died. The objective was not to allow the destruction of Wagner and to take responsibility for those who were on the unprofessional actions made a huge number of mistakes during the SMO. All the military met along the way supported this. Wagner stopped when the advanced storm unit deployed artillery, conducted reconnaissance, and realized a lot of blood will be shed in the upcoming battle. They decided that the demonstration of the protest was enough and turned around. Factors that made Wagner turn around. First, they didn't want to shed Russian blood. Secondly, they wanted to demonstrate their protest, not overtake the authority of Russia. Prigozhin had previously claimed that this was not a coup attempt, but rather a march for justice aimed at Russian leadership. Lukashenko offered to find solutions for further legal operation of Wagner legally. Columns turned around and went back to field camps. The march showed many things demonstrated before. Serious security concerns around the country. All military bases and airfields were blocked. If actions on the 24th of February 2022 were done by forces as trained as Wagner, the special operations could have ended in one day. This shows the level of organization that the Russian army should be following. Wow. Pretty crazy. So there you have it. That's the breakdown of what happened between the Wagner group and the Russian military. They allegedly raided Prigozhin's estate or wherever, where they found an alarming amount of James Bond material, <laughs> including what looked like $6.2 billion in a bag. Wonder where he got that. And gold bars, a, a expired passport, as well as some other materials that they got from wherever he was staying at the time. So there is your quick breakdown, but probably one of the wildest, craziest military operations that happened during our lifetime. Absolutely insane. All right. This says that rebellion in Russia, this is a new headline, says more cities seized by Wagner as Putin vows to crush rebellion, likening it to 1917. That was an article from before. All right, let's see if there's any updates before we move on. And it appears, says that the last one that we talked about is there. So many, many people are speculating that Prigozhin is just going to, you know, disappear suddenly. But there was also a QAnon-esque a cryptic message on his telegram with him putting his finger to his lips in a shh motion saying that do not let them know your next move. Hmm. Pretty wild stuff. All right, so that is what happened in Russia. There is your breakdown. I did a 30-second, 40-second breakdown on my Instagram at the Austin J. Adams, and you can check it out there as well. All right, next thing that we will talk about here is going to be a massive rally in Pyongyang to commemorate the beginning of the 1950 Korea War. But first, I need you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review. Head over to antielite.club. Subscribe to the Substack, austinadams.substack.com. All right. Now, here is the next article, which says, massive rally in Pyongyang to commemorate beginning of 1950 Korean War. Now, there was all sorts of people standing out there with their fist ahead, which was only one hand motion away from being what happened in Germany. So kind of a, a weird thing to flex a little bit in the modern world. But anyways, there was people holding up signs saying like death to America and, you know, with missiles shooting out from everywhere. You know, I have a hard time believing that half this audience wasn't corpses, uh, you know, in, in North Korea. Although I do have a, a kind of unique idea about North Korea, which I'll get to in a minute. But the, I, I have my own theory of North Korea, but some, some conspiracy type talk. But uh, it says North Korea state-owned media has published several reports in the last hour denoting massive rallies in Pyongyang to celebrate the commencement of the 1950 Korean War anniversary celebrations. These events also showcase caustic rhetoric aimed at the U.S. The full report from North Korean media reads below. The entire people of the country who are accelerating the steady forward leap of our style socialism defeating with the most overwhelming and offensive response to the resolute nuclear war provocation maneuvers of the U.S. imperialists and their puppet bandits. 
which seriously threatened the security of our dignified state, are in awe. We greeted the 6.25 with the fighting spirit of annihilation. Our people who have forged a mighty sword for defending the country, demonstrating a hundredfold and a thousandfold resolute will to fight the enemy over the centuries and centuries, have laid the devastation of war on this land that has overflowing with the joy of building a peaceful new society more than 70 years ago. Looking back at the eternal sins of the U.S. imperialists, the heart's blood is boiling with intense anger. On this occasion of the historic day that reminds us of the aggression, aggression, ambition, and the nature of U.S. imperialism, the root of all misfortune and suffering on this planet, and the stranglehold of justice and peace, the June 25th Anti-American Struggle Day, Pyongyang City Mass Assembly is held on the 25th, May 1st. It was held in various places in the capital, including Ilchi Stadium. At the gathering places, there was 120,000 workers and young students gathering in Pyongyang City. They provoked a robbery war of aggression to crush our clean country to, to its cradle. The frostbitten hatred and will to retaliate against the accumulated U.S. imperialism were overflowing. All right. I don't want to read through this entire thing by them. However, I would say I'm, I'm quite surprised there's 150,000 people alive. Maybe they should be a little bit more focused on their food supply than they are bombing the United States. You know, especially if you believe what uh, Yomi Park has talked about, which is pretty atrocious. But here, here's my, you know, fun little conspiracy about North Korea. Imagine this. The whole world speaks down about this small little country where a crazy man with wild hair and a belief that he does not even poop, where there's no food and no beauty of art and everybody's struggling and they're literally eating the eyeballs of rats, according to Yomi Park. What if... North Korea, this entire time was just a utopia and the entire world conspired to let us, you know, try and believe that it was this horrible place. <laughs> what if North Korea just had endless amounts of food, mountains made of ice cream, the most amazing cuisine, the most beautiful, inspiring art, the most, uh, you know, the hottest women of the world and the most intelligent and strong men walking the streets shirtless with six packs and large biceps and women just with the, you know, whatever you picture, just the gold standard of life to be. What if that is North Korea this entire time? And we've just been told throughout history that North Korea is this horrible place. You know, never, never go there. They'll kill you. You'll never be able to make it past the, the, the airport. But what if, in reality, it was like the most baller, awesome, coolest place ever with the most beautiful, f amazing tasting food? And <laughs> I don't know how far I can take that. But it is an interesting concept because in the same way that, you know, we can hide, you know, certain people in red outfits from younger generations for at least a certain period of time. How long will we go without knowing that North Korea is truly a, a utopia of the world? Anyways, let's segue out of that. So this is something I came across when looking at the Titan situation. And there's been several conspiracies about that Titan situation, none of which have piqued my interest more than this one as being, you know, at least as interesting as possible. You know, the one conspiracy is that J.P. Morgan Chase downed the Titanic to rid them from the federal, you know, being able to vote against the Federal Reserve because there was elites on board who were not against the Fed or not for the Fed. So J.P. Morgan, you know, family had it sunk. Interesting. Other theories are that, you know, it was like some sort of entity that went in there and, and took out the Titanic. Now, there's other conspiracy theories that this was, you know, one less conspiratorial thing that apparently is true because, you know, nobody's come out and said anything about it, even the press secretary. But not that she says much anyways. But one interesting conspiracy is that Joe Biden, according to the Coast Guard, knew that the Titan was downed on Sunday, holding the evidence, making us count down the hours of these men who had their submarine implode on itself days before we knew about it. 
counting down the hours, the families, you know, this this guy thinking he's at a Blink-182 concert while his dad or whoever died. But apparently the Coast Guard had an idea the entire time that this craft imploded. But there was other acoustic anomalies that were picked up. So apparently, uh, let's let's read through this here because this is an interesting one. But And this is where it started, okay? It says the Navy has tracked underwater objects going thousands of miles an hour. It said, well, since they said it, I guess we can talk about it. Did you know that back in the 1970s, the U.S. Navy placed acoustic sensor devices all throughout the ocean floor? This was to map the ocean floor, detect submarines, and to find anomalies. The technology covers a large portion of the ocean floor and has given the Navy an amazing perspective on the underwater terrain. One of my contracts while in the Navy, or one of my contacts while in the Navy who worked on the ASW team, who was responsible for monitoring these sensors, would discuss underwater submersible objects they detected that would travel thousands of miles per hour underwater. He said they have also detected various structures underwater that are active and they stay clear of. Anyways, enjoy your day, (laughs) it says. So, now, the first comments on that on Reddit says, reminds me of that 4chan guy who talked about the underwater factory that manufactures UFOs. Hmm. And deeper down the rabbit hole we go. So that's where we go next. But let's read some of these. (laughs) It says, it's always some anonymous source. Plus the guy doesn't realize they use knots instead of miles per hour. Wow, thank you. People are calling for a source. The video puts the rising in the clickbait category. Okay, so says rising had an interview with a Harvard scientist about this within the past few days. It's on YouTube. I haven't watched it yet. It says nothing to do with the original post. It's about iron meteorites recovered from the ocean floor. Okay. So let's go into this rabbit hole. Boop. I need a, I need a rabbit hole noise. I don't think I have any good ones here. Yeah, no good ones. Nope. No good ones. All right. Reminds me of the 4chan guy who talked about the underwater factory that manufactured UFOs. So I clicked on that link and we're headed into 4chan. Hope <laughs> three letter agencies don't hear me say that. I really haven't used 4chan much, by the way. I really have never really even gone into it unless there's a link from Reddit that drives to something like this. But it is, you know, just another source of information, albeit sometimes wild and crazy. So now a former US. So let's get some, some background on this guy. He goes on this, this man says that he's going to die of terminal cancer. So he's laying out all the secrets that he knows about these underwater anomalous UFOs. Now, this person goes on to say, I have intimate knowledge of what the U.S. currently knows about UFOs minus the last two years. Here are the talking points. UFOs are primarily unmanned drones. UFOs UFOs are built to spec each time they are deployed. UFOs are created by a mobile construction facility that hides in the ocean. UFOs are created by a mobile construction facility that hides in the ocean, this says. That's a wild statement. Construction facilities destroy anything that come close to it and will disappear for days when approached aggressively. U.S. believes the facility has been active on Earth for at least a hundred years or longer. Fire away on questions. I'll answer what I can. You won't be disappointed. So he basically doesn't ask me anything. It says it doesn't officially exist and I won't use the internal name here either. The U.S. seems to believe so. Yes, now let's go into the questions. It says, is there a working theory on the origins? If so, care to elaborate? It says quite a bit, but we think the construction facility has been around since at least 4,000 BC. See sightings and paintings from earlier eras of history. The next person asks, has any form of intelligible communication been established? Yes. 
It also depends on your viewpoint. They mostly want very little to do with us until we start to talk about war and nuclear options. It's one of the reasons why you see them here so often at critical events. It says, do they know who or what is creating this craft? He said, yes. As mentioned earlier, the mobile construction unit is responsible for the deployment and construction. Says any any potential that they are made by a higher branch of the U.S. government? Absolutely not, it says. What about them allows them to fly so fast? What technology? He responds, gravity manipulation and the materials they are constructed from. We think the construction unit is driven by AI. The response time to threats is almost instant and usually very calculated and well thought out. The majority of UFOs, as I mentioned previously, are built to spec and purpose. This is why they are always different sizes. The contents and equipment usually mimic the intended purpose too. Somebody else asked, is it related to that one under rock in that one Scandinavian country, the one that deploys with tectonic plates? says, no, this one almost never leaves the Bermuda Triangle. Well, that would explain some shit now, wouldn't it? (laughs) If there is an underwater UFO military construction vehicle that destroys anything in its path, it would probably be in the Bermuda Triangle. Somebody says, bullshit, governments have, and have for a while, had advanced anti-gravity aircrafts. He said, you asked if the particular UFOs we study are the result of foreign government, not if the governments have shittier versions. Speed alone tells you what we are looking for. It says, do they return back? He says, yes, some come and leave the, pl- the planet, v- but very rarely. Usually the same number that comes in goes out, especially under special circumstances. It feels more like a carrier, but with construction capability. Hmm. He says, I can approach that facility without being attacked. He said, LOL, the last unit we saw approach the facility didn't even have time to communicate they were being attacked before it was over. Hmm. Wow. Uh, hmm says, what's buried under the Mesa on Skimwalker Ranch? Is that show even legitimate? It seems like some of the most legitimate research in anything paranormal that I've ever seen in my life, and I'm very curious about what it seems to be finding. It says there's no correlation. There are two rare elements found fused together that were used under the Mesa, and I'm very curious what's going on there. He said, no idea about that either. Hmm. Interesting. Somebody asked if they're from an older civilization, breakaway civilization, or a civilization of humans who escaped a previous cycle of cladicism due to their advanced tech. Said limited experience since my role is, is more craft analysis. U.S. believes that they are, they are foreign to our world. A previous cladicism could make sense. They also showed up in times of strife, just like natural events. Hmm. Wow. So let's just read through some of the questions here. Have you tried to send in a raft of hippies? <laughs> the, the, the AI may not recognize them as a threat. Wow. Interesting. So he said, based on previous disappearances and acts of hostility, we believe the construction facility has learned what is and what isn't hostile. Usually it just it will just move away or stay deep under the water. It doesn't fire on civilian boats, for example. Exceptions apply. We have seen one or two go missing, usually after sharp turns. Hmm. Just kind of scrolling through some of these questions here, because this is a huge, huge thread. He must answer 300 questions here. So if this man's just making all of this up, good on you. You're like L. Ron Hubbard with uh, writing fiction novels. But if not, I mean, it legitimately makes sense to me. This is probably one of the most interesting conspiracies that I've come across lately. But this one makes complete sense to me. Why would these aircrafts be going into the water? Where would they be coming from? Where would they be going to? Why is it that we we are only starting to notice these aircraft? You know, it seems like the best place to hide would be in the water. We have very little ability to actually, you know, track anything there at all. Uh, hmm. It says, are aliens human or humanoid? He said humanoid, very humanoid. Hmm. So I'd assume this was a sort of AI design that seems to have been advanced yet already prepared for the get-go. That's a terrible question. Hmm. Do you know anything about people such as Stephen Greer, Lou Azindo? Are these people in the know? 
LARPers or controlled misinformation. I said doesn't ring a bell. Okay. It says this is a strangely reoccurrent theme. At a minimum, they have psychotronic devices of some sort. I'm not sure what that is. So this reminded me of something in my first year. UFO crashes, they remove the bodies well before the team arrives. We start to look and the craft is unpowered at first. A few minutes later, the craft powers on and starts to close up. We radio out and get a response from the unit, removing one of the occupants that they are working on it. Ship powers off and the other team asks if we are good to go. No mention of how access is possible. The suspect, the pilot, may have interfaced with the ship by remote or psionic ability. Hmm. Says it's in the Atlantic Ocean. Interesting. Now, he says, can you tell us what they look like physically, usually gray type or big ears? <laughs> what questions? I says, imagine the typical grays you see on TV. I've seen two corpses, so maybe they are a different species, but I've never laid eyes on another. All right. And with that, let's see if there's any of these other questions that he seemingly gets deeper into. All right. Well, on that note, if there is underwater construction facilities... Oh, and here's here we go. It says, how are you able to talk about any of this? Didn't you swear to secrecy? He said, yes, liver cancer sucks. And then they said, wouldn't the government already have eyes on you considering that you turn out to be a loose end? They said, I'm not going on national TV or radio. I'm on a 4chan board. I'm sure they'd look at stuff like this, but cancer makes you feel a little different. Also, did you or your coworkers experience strange things outside of work that could have been related to what you saw? He said, no. Usually most people working there had no prior interest in UFOs or at least feigned not having interest. Hmm. Interesting. Now, here's another theory, and this is what I'll leave you on. Maybe it's the positive alien theory. Let's go with that. <laughs> it says, do you think they're playing some role in stopping rogue entities and dangers from space hurting us? on a large scale. So the idea being that whatever entity is down there, whatever technology is down there is specifically there to protect us from other aircraft, aliens, UFOs from coming down here and just decimating us, or at least even just claiming this area as their own, right? So if, if another entity tried to break our sphere, you know, our atmosphere and come down and main to reach some kind of communication with us, tried to attack us, whatever, that this thing would eventually present itself, release thousands of UFO aircrafts and take this thing down like it's like our daddy alien. <laughs> so that is an interesting one. Interesting for sure. All right. That's what I'll leave with you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I will read more about this because I think it's freaking wild but have a great night thank you guys